Welcome, everyone, to our podcast where we take a hold of our newspaper, the events of the world, our Bibles, and we bring them together and see how God's Word speaks to the events. And one of the big things that we did as a church is we created a conversation in this time uh, that was really fascinating. So, Lorraine, tell us about the conversation we created in Lumen. Lumen, uh, we, start, we wanted to start a conversation where we could talk about what it would look like to love um, love our neighbors, love my neighbor, in uh, really compelling ways, and perhaps differently than we, we do sometimes um, in the church in, in general. And so as we approached 9-11, we just thought it would be a great opportunity to have another one of these conversations where we could talk about what does it look like to love my neighbor? What does peacemaking look like? Are there stereotypes that we've had as Christians um, with our Muslim neighbors and vice versa? And um, how could we look at what really happened in the, in the horror of 9-11 and yet what might happen and the good that might come out of that? So you created a conversation, which uh, now we're going to have online. Where would we go to hear it, just as people are thinking about this? ExperienceLumen.com. Okay, so Sophia, we want you to meet Sophia. You're part of this, and for you, what happened? Tell us the story. Well, I think I related to the conversation a bit differently because I have a background in both camps. You know, I grew up in a Muslim family and became a follower of Jesus 18 years ago. And so I kind of feel like I'm in this bad marriage trying to reconcile these two parties that don't want to talk, don't want to sit down at the table. And I really feel like the success of this event was bringing these two um, irreconcilable, so to speak, parties together to have a conversation about peacemaking and what it looks like to maybe agree to disagree but still be in relationship. So who would you bring to the table or who did we bring? So we had a very own Mission Viejo, Mike Airy. We had Mike Foster who wrote the book Graceonomics and he introed the conversation by talking about abounding grace, which was great for both sides and really set the tone of the conversation. We had Salam El Mariati, who is the president of the Muslim Public Affairs Council. And then we had Jim Mullins and Michael Lai that are both founders of an organization called Peace Catalyst that is an initiative that in North America to bring Muslims and Christians together through programs and initiatives and dinners and things like that. Now, we so. got some pushback. What was some of the pushback before it even happened? Yeah. This conversation created tension. And what was the tension? I think the tension is that we've taken the posture of, you know, we're just going to have a conversation with people that look like us, sound like us and follow like us. And uh, I think what was controversial was we had invited Muslims to our campus. First of all, we were inviting the the perceived enemy to our campus. Or church. Or church, yeah, yeah, to our church campus. And two, you know, we picked somebody... uh, inadvertently he was kind of controversial he'd said some things salam had said some things immediately after 9-11 that were very provocative and very um contentious and so um there was some talk about you know why are you inviting a radical radical person to the um to the church campus he is a person that is a terrorist i mean everybody had this presumption that he's a terrorist and there was a lot of talk and even between our lumen team about you maybe not having salam come But, you know, this is a conversation we had behind the scenes. What would Jesus do? You always come back to that question. What would Jesus do? And Jesus engaged with economic terrorizers. He engaged with the worst, the least, and the most unlikely. It was like the worse somebody was, the more he would engage and the more he seemed to like them. So our posture was, that's what we need to do. And so we invited him. And actually what was so surprising was that of all the speakers, he was the most likable guy in the group. He became the most loving, the most that's gracious. Hurtful. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a little. Right that's now. a little You'll hurtful. A we already know yeah, Mike Gary. Right. Right. We already know you're fabulous. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was just it was just so surprising to all of us. And you know, a, a really uh, 
takeaway moment for me was when Mike Airy and Salam hugged for an extended period. It was really a United Nations moment for me. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, even in bringing in this person, Lorraine, you have kind of a personal story that goes along with that. You're two about Packers and your friend. Tell us that. <laughs> I love that Salam Al Mariati is a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. And so that was in, within moments of meeting, we had exchanged that, and that just set a great tone for the day. Uh, personally, I'm just excited about my friend Samina. Uh, we've been friends for 15 years. We've laughed and cried <coughs> and prayed together. Uh, she's a wife and a mom and has been at Disneyland and advertising for years and years. And she came to Lumen. She brought her two college sons, Ayaz and and Irfan, uh, and it, I was so excited. to ha It was such a privilege to have her here. Uh, what was interesting was, unbeknownst to Samina, she ended up sitting down next to the person who had been one of the biggest objectors in having this whole conversation. So I had a moment of, ah, <laughs> what's, what's happening? Uh, but afterwards, to see Mahara from the Muslim Outreach Team invite her sons to play basketball, to, for Samina to, to hug me and embrace me and say thank you, thank you, thank you for having a conversation where we could enter, my sons and I could enter without a, a, a posture of defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, I walked away. I learned so much. There was such a spirit of grace and understanding uh, and forgiveness here. And um, it, it was a privilege to be here. And then she insisted that she, she wanted not just a picture with me, but she wanted a picture with the entire Lumen team mm -hmm. and her sons because she wanted to post it on Facebook. She wanted to take it back and tell the story at her mosque. Uh, she wanted to tell her father. Um, she is so excited. And so personally for me, um, to see my friend there and be able to share that with her was just amazing. And I was just, I was just as a church to be able to, to do that, um, you know, and, and the things that were said really personally profound for me. And this is the church that we want to be. And Absolutely. it's a church that we need to be where we want to engage the real issues. And so I'm going to ask Mike to give us the biblical, biblical perspective that you brought to what is it, why is it that we want to have this conversation? What does the Bible speak to it? But even as he's speaking, I want to invite both Lorraine and Sophia, anytime you want to bring a question, you just fire it back because okay. Mike will get roaring and, and, you know, all of a sudden. So, Mike, you brought some perspectives. What is it that you wanted them to hear as we hold the Bible to define this conversation? Because totally. that was your role. Well, part of it is the resistance to it is the very reason we should have it. Um, we think resistance means, oh, we're on the wrong track. But I'm convinced anytime uh, God is up to something uh there will be resistance to it even among his own people. So um, for me, the idea that we would engage in conversation with controversial people is exactly, Sophia, you said exactly what Jesus would do. Uh, there's utterly, utterly no question about it. And uh, because the, the, the resistance implies that we cannot engage with conversation without compromising our, our conviction. So the only way to engage is through what has been commonly called inter interfaith dialogue. And it's where we all get together, agree we have a bunch in common. And it just feels very weak and very soft, and it feels a bit like compromise. And we just know Jesus was a man of both grace and truth. So it is possible to hold both. So what I wanted to suggest, and Sophia turned me on to this concept and, and kind of some thinking behind it, was the idea of a multi-faith dialogue. That, that it's not, hey, let's all focus on what we have in common, but instead say, hey, I, I, and I said this, I would want every single person in that room to follow Jesus of Nazareth. 
And if the Muslim, our Muslim neighbors were sincere about their faith, they should be wanting me to embrace Muhammad as the prophet of Allah and, and all that is implied in Islam. And, and to get that out on the table and to say, okay, we disagree on this, but that disagreement itself is not in any way, shape, or form, a, 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 it does not preclude real conversation. In fact, I think that's the understanding that lends itself to real conversation. And it honors them, doesn't it? Because when we allow any faith or a uh, religious system or philosophical system to say boldly what it says. Absolutely. And to say that they can't all be in agreement and let them stand on what they say and on the merits of what they say and then talk about it is to honor every philosophical position and every religious And that's position. why we're against tolerance. I mean, that exactly. was one of the things we talked about was the difference between tolerance and love. Lorraine was going to chime I'm in. I was just going to say that it, it's so much more genuine. It it's, is. It's, right. it's, it's not, it's not love people so they can love Jesus. It's love people because we love Jesus. And yeah. so it, it, it's genuine, it's humble, it's human, it, it's the common good. And it's identifying the elephant in the room because when you're doing interfaith dialogues, you avoid the truth of what you're really, yeah. Uh, yeah. If your position. So by, ident- by saying up front, hey, this is what we believe and this is what we're committed to and this is what we're committed to, Real, authentic conversations right. can begin from there. And That's then fear right. dissipates and because right. fear, yeah. in fear, we pull away yeah. and we won't, you know, yeah. oh, I'm not going right. to highlight the differences, but then you don't find the truth. Right. So no, no, no I mean, that's huge. Point. That was huge. And, and did you have, you brought the Bible, the Bible in here, right? So No, what, but, no just the just Book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so from a biblical standpoint, just to highlight it, and yep. not to proof t- text your no. argument. No, well, I mean, one thing, one thing, one thing we were asked was, okay, so what's the elevator pitch of... Uh, Christianity and what's the elevator pitch for uh, Islam? And you could tell from our answers that we just disagree fundamentally yeah. on things, and 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 that's okay. So we go into the biblical idea that we're called to love, and and this really anti-biblical idea of tolerance. Tolerance is apathetic. Love is active. Uh, tolerance wants to blur all the distinctions. Love insists on differences and serves and blesses in spite or because of those differences. Um, and we then we then kind of landed on the idea that it's not – people tend to think that religious conflict comes because our faith commitments are too strong. And I fundamentally and absolutely disagree. Religious conflicts come because we're not serious enough about following this Jesus. Um, And what I tried to show from the scriptures was you cannot follow Jesus and not come to the conclusion that to love your enemies, to bless those who persecute you, to seek reconciliation, to seek the common good. I mean, all of those are utterly and absolutely mandated. So it's not that our Christianity is too soft. It's that it's not hard enough because we've not really grasped. And one of the things I said that I I firmly believe is that after 9-11, as a society— as a Christian community, we had the opportunity to take Jesus at his word and to say, bless those who persecute us, do good to those who hate us. But we collectively, with very few exceptions, decided the words of Jesus at that moment were stupid. They were irrelevant. They were impractical. In a, in a 9-11 world, what was needed was justice and what was needed was the military and what was needed was revenge and what was needed was a war on terror. And this just in the Christian community. And so for me, the biggest discouragement over the last 10 years has, was my own reaction, my own thirst for justice and vengeance. And then to be confronted again and again with, with a Jesus who says, well, yeah, but if you're going to follow me, you got this cross you're going to carry. And that cross symbolizes your willingness to die for your enemies. Uh, that was totally uh, 
that, that was something we just wanted to hold out in front of the whole community. So we created this conversation. People can go to the website to find out what it said. What would be some of the last things that you would say uh, to encourage people to either go to the content, uh, to engage in this conversation, or people that are listening to it and it, it feels like, okay, you know, maybe I should do this, but it's, it's hard. It's painful. I don't know that I want to engage in this conversation. Can't I just stay back from it? Can't I stay back from it, Sophia? Because you have this idea. If you're not, give us your line about if you're not living at yeah, the edge. Yeah, if you know, if you're not living on the edge, you're just taking space, right? So yeah. Jesus has called us to engage. That's what he did. As Jesus followers, we're called to engage, not disengage, and be part of the conversation. And the thing is, if we're not having the conversation, the void is being filled by other conversations. And you know, part of the biggest social movements that happened in America was this art of discourse, public discourse, being able to talk in the public square. Jesus was always in the public square, talking, engaging, conversing. And I think we've lost the art of doing that, as Mike said, you know, because of tolerance, because of hate speak, because of reprisal. We've kind of we've kind of muffled our voices as Christians. And I think that we've also been so busy defending religions. Like, I'm going to defend Christianity. I'm going to defend Islam. Mm -hmm. And we take these two ad adverse postures instead of coming to the table and saying, who is Jesus? Right. When, you, when you talk about Jesus, you don't have to defend Jesus. He owns you. But there comes a place where you become more confident in the right. truth. Because to yeah. disengage is to yeah. say, yeah. maybe I'll find something and I don't have the answer. What yeah. if... What if I can't answer those questions? And there's nothing wrong with being able to not, or there's nothing wrong with not being able to answer every question. But there is a sense of believing that in the journey, yeah. I'm going to find God and find greater answers in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I would say, you know, be a friend, mm -hmm. be a friend. You know, I think I think about my friendship with Samina and, you know, I I've been there to celebrate all of her anniversaries at work, and I've. I uh, watched her walk through 9-11 and, and weep along with me and decide to wear her burqa after that because mm -hmm. she wanted people to know that that wasn't the Islam that was a, a part of her life. And, you know, I've sat in the in the, the Alzheimer home with her mom as she dies. It's like, I'm, I'm there. I go. I've gone to the mosque and judged a cooking contest, um, you know, just to be a friend. Okay. Yeah, and also, you know, it, it's okay to ask questions. Like when we did, we did a four-part conversation with the local mosque here, we took a group of people from our church and we said, we don't know who you are. How can you love your neighbor and engage when you don't know who they are, what they're committed to, or what their values are? So we took a group and said, we want to know you. We want to get to know who you are, what you believe, and what you're committed to. And we brought all our questions, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they were very uh, uh, gracious. They answered all our questions. And what's come out of that, because of the relationship we developed with the mosque, they've invited us to the mosque to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. Great. In October, That's right? In October. So here's the easiest way for you to get involved. You can go to Lumen, give us the website. You can just listen to what we talked about. And then you decide. Uh, to what level you'd like to be a part of this conversation. But you can listen to it. Lorraine, Experience, give us the list. ExperienceLumen.com. Okay, so go to ExperienceLumen.com, or you can go to the church's website, and it'll guide you to Lumen, and you can be a part of this conversation. Thanks, everyone. Blessings to you.